Welcome to the Summerton Church of God Sermon Podcast, a podcast to help you find life, freedom, and purpose in Jesus Christ. This hope alive is keeping you going. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. If the enemy can kill your hope, he will kill your faith. If he will kill your faith, you will give up. And if you give up, it's over. Anybody have any hope? Shout hope! Sing it. Sing it. Come on, sing it with Shout it again. Hope. That keeps you going. That gets you up in the morning. That makes a pregnant woman rub her belly. Hope. Even though the child is in darkness, there will be a day when that child comes out. There's always hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hope is your car that you ride in to get to faith. And some of you are dealing with a broke down car today. We're going to get the wheels back on it and get it to go, okay? Amen? I'm going to let you sit down in just a second, but I do want to pray. I've got a prayer that, in fact, I told them that early service about 5.30 this morning, I was searching through some files and this fell out. And it's a prayer. But I... do want to remind you, pray for Pastor Victor and Jamie. Pray for Dennis and Rhonda. The loss of their dad is a terrible thing. If you've been there, you know what it feels like. But ask the Lord to give them comfort and peace. Let me remind you, the funeral is tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Pelham Church of God. Visitation's 11 until 1. If you want to know how to get there, go all the way south of Birmingham. First Pelham exit. Turn left. When you go back across the interstate, if you'll look over to the right, you'll see it. It's there. If you miss it, turn around and come back. But we're going to pray for them. I'm going to pray this prayer with you. And the title that is on this, I don't know how long I've had it. So since I don't know how long I've had it and I don't know who the author is, I'm it. The best way to be original is forget where you got it. All right? So that's what I'm doing. The title of this simply says, when it's dark enough, you can see the stars. Let that sink in. I used to know a poem years ago that said, two men looked through bars. One one saw mud, the other saw stars. We all have problems, but what are you looking at? See the stars. I'm going to pray this prayer and I'm going to repeat it. And I'm going to do about three or four words at a time, and I want you to pray this with me. Are you ready? Say amen. Amen. Lord, help us to use this tragedy to see beyond our divisions of religion, our divisions of race, and our divisions of nationality, and to embrace common humanity. May we learn to see you in our neighbors and even in our enemies. May love overcome hate, peace overcome violence, and faith overcome despair. Now shout amen. You like that? Amen. Give praise to the Lord. Since you came to the second service, I'm going to give you the rest of it. They didn't get this part. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, 
in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. Amen? I hate to be the bearer of bad news. That's not my sermon, okay? I'm just now getting started. Would you bow your heads with me and let's pray for the masses. Father, we ask you to give them comfort. Surround them with your love. Let them know, Lord, that you're right there beside them. It's always difficult in these very trying times of grief, but I know you're going to comfort and strengthen them and give them grace sufficient in Jesus' name. And everybody said, you may be seated. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. And we'll begin with verse 13. They'll put it on the screen and I'll read it as I go. As it is written. Now when the Bible says, as it is written, it is describing to you the Word of God. As the Word of God has been written, and once it's written, that's it. You can't change it. You can't alter it. You can't run around it. You can't go over it. When God says it, that's it. Talk to me. Y'all going to get hungry in a few minutes. As God has written, he said to Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him who believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Next verse. Who, contrary to hope, in hope, believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith. Wow. He did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced. Now look at this verse right here. Being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to. To perform. Now, you've got to look at this. One translation says he was fully persuaded that God would perform the promise. Say promise. Say persuaded. Say performance. There you go. I'm, let's go home. Listen to me. There are pre-promises of God, but you've got to remain persuaded through the whole time that he will perform what he said. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. But to me, he's usually slow. He doesn't do it like that for me. It's always like that for me. Amen? But God is always at work. There's always a process in your life that carries you from where you are so God can perform what he said. I'm helping somebody if you'll just listen to me, okay? If God woke me up at 523, you receive it, okay? Please. When you understand that there is a work in progress, there's a pastor who had a man in his church who was a boxer. And in being a boxer, the pastor turned on the TV and watched him while he was in a fight. And I don't think the fight lasted more than maybe one to two rounds. And the guy just knocked out the other guy, and that was it. It was over. So this pastor calls his, his friend on the phone and says, Wow, that was an easy fight. And the man said back on the other end of the phone, Don't you ever say that was easy. You don't know the hours I put in. You don't know the work that I had to do. See, it's easy for you to celebrate a championship team, but you don't know what they went through. Come on. Sometimes we don't know the story behind the glory. We look at guys, especially in even church world, they got big churches and they got big ministries, but you don't know their story. 
Guess what? You don't know my story. But every one of us here today has a story that brought us from where we are and is going to take us to glory. It's not time to turn around, not time to look away. It's time to realize God is going to perform everything he said he would. It's not, it's not God said it, I believe it, and it's true. It's God said it, and it's true, whether you believe it or not. He's not dependent on you. He's God. He's seated on the throne with all power and all authority, and he will do what he said he will do. He will never fail. He will never back up. He will never reverse. He will never change. So I'm going to give you three or four quick points. Be careful when a pastor says quick. Doesn't work that way. Number one is this. If you're going to get what God has for you, you've got to learn to get out of your comfort zone. Amen. I'm going to let that kind of settle with you. We all have comfort zones. We all have places that, we all have people we're comfortable with. Come on. We all have situations we're comfortable with. But sometimes our humanity does not know how to react when something else is put there. Amen? That's what's going on in our world with the protest. They are viable and they should take place. The other things should not, but they just got involved. But what that does to us, it moves us out of our comfort zone. We ever heard the statement, we get comfortable in our own skin? That's what goes on. It's not a skin problem, it's a sin problem. Hello, it's your heart. And when your heart gets right, everything else gets right. And then you move out of your comfort zone. You can decide to stay in a comfort zone. You know, we do that in, we, we do that in all our patterns of life. We, I believe that we've come through this pandemic. We're on the other side of it. I guess we are. They don't put it on TV anymore, so I'm figuring it's over, okay? I, mean, I don't hear any more about it. I'm tired of hearing about how many people got sick and how many people died. I want to hear who lived. Amen? I'm still alive. How about you? I'm still living. But as we've gone through this pandemic, we have heard over and over from different areas there's going to be a great revival. There's going to be a great awakening. There's going to be all this. But if we're not careful as a church, we'll go back to sleep. I, I, I didn't preach this this morning, so y'all don't tell them about it. You understand, it's easy for church people to go to sleep. You know, I went to church. I did my duty. Let's go to lunch. Ooh. Let, let's do my religious duty. Let's do what I'm supposed to do. Come on, we get into our comfort patterns and we don't like to be pushed out of them. We all pray for revival, but we don't want it to go more than a couple of days. I better get over here. Y'all not helping me. I'll go over here and see what y'all say. Yeah, we all want this overwhelming presence of God, but we don't want to pay the price to get it. And then when we get it, we want it instantaneously. Then we want to go on about our life. It's time we realize we are the last day church. There is a move of God. There is an awakening. Wake up, church. Wake up. Wake up. Well, that has nothing to do with what I was preaching. You were here this morning, and I've gone way over here. <laughs> Y'all... Judy over here, she'll pull me back here in a minute. Okay. Your comfort zone will keep you in a stalemate. What does that mean? Well, let me, get, let me describe it like this. God's given this to me while I'm talking, so here we go. If I don't finish, tell the pastor to invite me back sometime. We'll finish. Listen, what happens to us is we end up in what's called doldrums. You ever heard of doldrums? Doldrums is a place at the equator where you're not in the northern hemisphere and you're not in the southern hemisphere. Y'all do know what I'm talking about. Northern hemisphere, southern hemisphere. What about the eastern one? No, there's no such thing. <laughs> uh, just playing with you, is that okay? When you get, there's a certain place that a ship can end up that is neither in the south Southern Hemisphere, neither in the northern. It's called the doldrums. And if you have a sailboat or a ship that uses sails, 
you won't move because there's no wind. And what happens to churches, they get into doldrums. And we say, okay, I, I, there's no wind. Well, then get on your knees. You want to produce a wind in church? Get on your knees. Get along with God. Don't wait to get here to get what God has. Bring what you have with you that God has given you and bring it here and let's all put it together. See, we don't, we don't need to be in the doldrums. We need to understand, I want to get over there where the wind is blowing. I want to feel the breath of God. I want to know that he's moving me and I'm not stuck. Amen? I started to ask if anybody's stuck, but you wouldn't raise your hand anyway. So what you've got to do, would you go back with me to verse, uh, where we started, what, 17? <laughs> you've got to get out of your comfort zone. I know you're making notes, so I'm going I'm to give you the points, okay? The second point is this. You've got to not only get out of your comfort zone, you've got to strengthen your faith. Give me verse 19. When you look at verse 19, and being not weak in faith. Has anybody ever been weak in faith? See, this man at this point, before all this is happening, he got the promise at about 75 at this point in time in his life, he's about 86. The baby's not going to get here till he's 100. Don't get upset because there's a distance in there. Strengthen your faith. Look at it. And he being not weak in faith, he did not look at his weak dead body. See, quit looking at the thing that's not happening. Look at the God who can make it happen. Don't look at your weakness. Don't look at what you can't do. Look at what God can do through you. See, we, we don't see that. We, we, we're, we're good at resigning ourselves and saying, that's just the way it is. If you say that and you live there, that's where you're going to be stuck. I wasn't built that way. I thought this time in my life I'd be playing golf every day and Doing a, I'd even be playing golf on Sunday and pray through afterward. <laughs> but guess what? It didn't happen that way. I want to tell you something. I've never been more driven in my life. I've never been more. That doesn't mean I don't get tired, okay? You, don't, you know, after the day, after this morning in this second service, I'll go take a nap, okay? Because I got to take a few naps when you get my age. But you've got to understand, there's a driving force within me that's saying, we are running out of time. We're right on the brink. We're looking at what God has promised, and I don't want to miss it. I don't want it to happen over there. I don't want somebody from over there to come over here and tell me it happened over there. I want it to happen over here. I believe God has set up the summit and church of God for an unbelievable move of God. And God wants to do something in this church. God promised it. Almost a hundred years ago, God promised to this church downtown. And God has not forgotten his promise. He has not given up on his promise. He's not going back on his promise. He just needs some people to jump in and say, let's go. Amen. But you've got to strengthen yourself. You've got to not look at your circumstances. And one day in uh, Genesis, I believe it's Genesis 16, Somewhere in Genesis, okay, you know, there's 50 chapters, you can go look it up. He was in his tent. God showed up and said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. How are you going to do that? I'm old. You know what he did to him? He said, Abraham, follow me outside the tent. Go read it. I love it. He said, Abraham, will you look up? What do you see? Stars. He said, start counting, because that's your descendants. Now, this is a man with a dead body and a wife who had a dead body. This is people who couldn't have children. But he's saying to him, quit getting yourself under that ceiling. Oh, come on. We're good at getting ourselves under ceiling, and we limit ourselves because what we see and what we feel. No, 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 no. Get outside the tent. Oh, come on out here. I feel like saying, come on out. Get out here and look up. Can you imagine when Abraham was traveling and he'd lay down under the stars and he'd say, well, that's my kid, that's my kid, that's my kid, because God gave the promise. He didn't see it all. I won't see everything God promised in my life, but it's the generation after me and after them. God will keep his promise. Get outside the ceiling. <laughs> when you get outside that ceiling, you begin to look not at your limitations, but at the vastness 
of who God is. Wow. We don't do that anymore. I was a kid, we used to go out, out in the yard and play. Does this generation even know what a yard is? <laughs> yeah, you look it up on Google. This is a yard. <laughs> this is what a yard looks like. This is what a cow looks like. It says moo. <laughs> but used to as a kid, I'd play outside, and then it would get dark. And then we'd lay down in the grass and look up and see the beautiful handiwork of God. But see, that's not what Abraham saw. Abraham saw the promise of God every time he saw the star. Does anybody here today, sometime in your life, you've had a promise? Can I see your hand? Keep looking at those stars. That's your stars. Start, keep counting it. Keep looking at it. Don't, don't look at the distance in between. Don't look at the pro process that you're going through. Look at the fact that if you will look at his promise, he will strengthen your faith. And somebody said amen. I'm trying to be good today and go back up here and give you an outline because y'all got pencils in your hands, so I'll keep going. Third one, don't get impatient. Oh, I wish I hadn't written that one down. Don't get impatient. Let me back up a little bit. I, I forgot this, and I'll come back to this one. The one I was talking to you, Abraham came outside the tent. If you read in Genesis 15, God told him, he said, I want you to make a sacrifice. I want you to make a sacrifice, and I'm going to make a covenant with you. Y'all still with me? Now listen, when, he made, when you make a covenant with God, they would take an animal and kill it, and they would split it right down the middle. And they would lay it on the altar over here and an altar over here. And there was a walkway in between. Abraham obeyed God. He put part over here, part over here. And he would walk through it. And then he'd come back around through it. And then go this way. And he made a figure eight. You see what I'm talking about? And that was making a covenant with God. You read Genesis 15. While he was trying to make his covenant with God, buzzards showed up. You know why? There was meat on the table. That's what they show up for. I, I got something in my mind. I'm going to keep moving, okay? He made a figure eight. That figure eight represented completion. Whew, that's, that's worth an amen. But let me show you something else. You take the figure eight and you turn it on its side. It's infinity. Whew. I'm going to shout. Y'all don't help me. You know what that means? That means Abraham was making a covenant with infinity. That's God. No ending, no beginning. He's God. He's forever and ever and ever and ever. Guess what? Through Jesus Christ, you and I are in a covenant through his blood forever and ever and ever and ever and ever because we are in that relationship with him. And when we do this, let me go to my third point I gave you, wasn't it? I forgot where I'm at now. I'm on point four. I didn't preach three, did I? <laughs> Y'all sure be glad to have Pastor Victor back. He stands up here with that little thing. I'd mess that up. So. Did I give you don't get impatient, right? But I didn't preach it. He got impatient. No, Sarah got impatient. Sarah went to her husband Abraham and said, you know what, I'm not going to have a baby, so why don't you sleep with my handmaiden? Did you hear that? I don't ever hear Judy Sargent saying that to me. <laughs> I don't ever hear your wife saying that to you. You know what? No. But you've got to understand that during that time in Hebrew history, if you did not have a baby, you were looked down on. You were more disparaged, and she wanted a baby so bad. And of course, Abraham said, I'm a team player. Let's go. You know? and, Lord forgive me <laughs> you know why I'm way over here don't you because she's sitting over there <laughs> y'all still getting it aren't you is that okay I'm alright <coughs> but he goes in they have a baby and of course his name is Ishmael Ishmael becomes the father of the Arab descendants and you know what his name means? The wild hog of a man. 
He will always be against himself and others. And if you study history, you'll find that's what happened. But he got impatient. But see, you don't get impatient on God. If you do, you mess up. You've got to be patient with what God's doing in your life. Years ago, well, people don't believe this, but they did have college years ago when I went, okay? you know, And when I went to Lee, didn't know what it was, didn't know where it was, didn't know what church of God was. The only, the only person that knew that was her, and I ended up at Lee. And during my four years at Lee, I wanted to leave. And I'd pray, and the, the Lord said, you can't. And I'd pray, and he'd say, you can't. And I got impatient. I wanted to go. I'd see other guys come and go. But you see, the Lord said, I have a process for you, and you're not through the process yet. So understand that the process God has you in is preparing you for something you don't know about. God is always doing something that's a setup. Whoo, did you hear me? I, I didn't know I could preach this good. Man, I'm enjoying this. When you understand that in that process, God is working on you, He's fashioning you. You know what? I'm 76 years old. Guess what he's doing? He's still working on me. You know why? I hadn't learned yet. I still have to confess sometimes. Amen? I still get upset sometimes. I still get mad sometimes. I know, y'all. All of a sudden, everybody's got a halo over your head, you know. It's not going to be you. Listen, God has a purpose and a plan if you will be patient. You know what God's purpose and plan was for this couple? You read that, I believe, in Genesis 17. In Genesis 17, God showed up, and God went to Abraham, and at that time, his name was Abram, A-B-R-A-M, Abram. He said, I'm going to change your name to Abraham. Say Abraham. He said, then he went to Sarah, who was Sarai, and said, your name's not any longer going to be Sarai. It's going to be Sarah. Say Sarah. When you study Hebrew, there's a Hebrew letter that is, is our English transliteration is H-E-Y. Well, you don't pronounce it H-E-Y. Hey, it's pronounced ha. Huh. And when you look at this letter, it, it looks like a descending dove. It's shaped just like a dove. And it's descending. Do you know what that letter means in Hebrew? Breath of God. Ooh. Say Abraham. Amen. Say Sarah. He said, you can't have this baby by yourself, but I'm going to breathe life into your dead body. And he was breathing the life of God to bring him back. Oh, do you understand? You can't do it on your own. You can't do it by yourself. You can't accomplish it. But oh, when God's breath breathes through you, it comes alive in you and you're able to do what God's called you. Come on, give him a loud praise in the house. Oh, somebody shout for me. Come on, praise the Lord. I'm glad to be back, aren't you? Amen. Quit measuring your faith by others. Whew. Don't look at somebody else who's doing good or better than you. If you want to measure yourself, look at that other one that failed. I don't mean to criticize them, but we're always looking, well, Lord, you're doing this for them. You're doing, no, no, no. I told you a moment ago, you don't know their story. You don't know what, how they got the glory and you don't know what they walked through. So quit measuring your faith by somebody else. You don't know the story behind the glory. Sarah's biological clock had fallen off the wall. There was no hope. There was no way a doctor would tell her that this is going to be okay. Then God changes their names to Abraham and to Sarah. Your faith, listen to me, your faith has to have something to push against. I used to work out. Now I work at it. I used to have muscles. Now I wonder where they went. But if you're going to build your body, you've got to have some resistance. Say resistance. Don't get upset about the resistance in your life. That resistance is strengthening your faith. Don't, don't get upset because you're going. You say, well, I'm, they're not going through what I'm going through. They may not need to have the faith that you have because you don't know what's out there. 
keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. When I was stationed in Guantanamo, Cuba, I know you won't believe this, but when I was stationed in Guantanamo, Cuba, I used to put 25 pounds behind my neck or my head, and I used to put, get on a slanted board, and I used to do setups. Now I can get on a, well, we won't go there. At one time, I think I had a six-pack. Now I got a keg. Okay. Y'all said amen to that. You ain't supposed to do that. <laughs> what it is, is you've got to have resistance to build your muscles. If you want to be one of these, you know, I always tell guys I see like that, I say, I'd like to see you when you're 70. <laughs> Keep pushing because that resistance is happening in your life is not to stop you. It's to build you. Because God has a plan for your life. I'm over here in front of you guys. I got to tell you, God has a plan for your life. Don't kick against it. Don't complain about it. Just keep on pushing. Because God is going to reveal something in the future that you're going to do something for the kingdom of God that will absolutely overwhelm your life. Oh, I, I, you know what? I'm jealous of you because you're the generation I know will see the coming of the Lord. He's preparing you for something that you, oh my Lord, keep pushing. You know when you need to pray? When you don't feel like it. You know when you need to read the word? When you don't want to. Sometimes we love to get ourselves in a duty. Well, I read the word, I read the word of God through a hundred times. How many times did that word read you? It's not whether you read it, it's whether it reads you. It's whether it jumps up. Anybody ever read the word and all of a sudden it just jumped up? That's what I want you to see. That's strengthening your spiritual muscles so you can become what God wants you to be. Look at this. And being not weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead because he's about 100 years old in the deadness of Sarah's room. Give me 20. He did not waver. I think King James, if you got it, says he didn't stagger like a drunk man. You know what a staggering man does? Well, I'll be over here. I think I'll be over here. I think I'll go with this side. I think I'll join this one over here. There's a young man taking a, a test to, to be a policeman. And he's finishing up his training. And they stood him up and said, we've got to ask you some questions. And one of the questions was, all right, you walk up. You see a fight going on. And people are really mad at each other. What do you do? He said, I take my uniform off and go home. If we're not careful, Christians, that's what we do. I'm preaching. I can tell when you get caught. I love it. We got it. We got Can I say something to us? I pastored you long enough, and I've been here 32 years. No longer do I want to see the promise. I want to see the fulfillment. God's put this ministry here for a purpose, and it has not happened yet. That's why God has sent you the pastor and wife that you have. I honor them today because they have a heart to see God do something, not just in this building, but in this community and touch lives and bring people in and help people and love people. Are you on board? If so, shout hallelujah. Go forward. Glory. When you understand, look at it. He didn't waver through unbelief. Now, can I see the hand of anybody here today who's ever had unbelief? Those of you who didn't raise your hand, come to the altar. We all have it. We all do. Mark chapter 9. There's a man who brought his son to Jesus. And when he brought his son to Jesus, he was casting himself in the fire. He was foaming at the mouth. He was, he was actually demon-possessed. And Jesus looked at the man, and the, the, the man said to Jesus, have compassion on us. I need my son healed. And Jesus turned back to the man and said, all things are possible to them that believe. Then he said, do you believe? And let me tell you something. I, I love this man's answer. You know what he said? He said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Here's what I want you to see. The man had unbelief, but God still healed his son. See, sometimes we get on this kick. Well, you ain't got enough faith. 
I don't, so I, I told them this morning, I said, I want to tell you why God heals some people and others you don't. You want to know the answer to that? I don't know. That's it. I don't know. All I do is I still trust God. If he heals me, I trust him. If he doesn't, I trust him. If he supplies my need, I trust him. If he doesn't, I trust him. I said, I just made up my mind. I'm going to trust God. Amen? And when you learn to trust God, then you don't waver. Look at this. Through God, through unbelief. But he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. In other words, he became the father of all these nations because he didn't give up. Ecclesiastes 3, I believe, says it like this. There's a, there's a season. How does it say that? To, be, to have joy. Y'all don't know. Okay, I thought somebody might know that scripture. There's a season to be to laugh. There's a season to cry. There's a season to do this. It goes, it lists 24 things in that one scripture in Ecclesiastes that there's a season to do. There's a, actually, it's not a season. It uses the word time. There's a time to laugh, a time to cry, a time to do the time. Do you know one of the things that's not in there? A time to quit. It doesn't say quit. Take quit out of your vocabulary. I used to tell people when I'd preach here, hey, go to your dictionary and cut quit out. Well, you can't cut out Wikipedia. You know, you can't cut that up. It's going to be there. Don't put that in your language. Do not quit. See, you need to learn to fight. Face what's going on, just like he did here. You see, there's facts. The facts were she can't have a baby and he can't be a father. The failures was they tried the wrong way and they blew it. They didn't do what God wanted them to do. Then you go by those feelings. Well, nobody cares about me. Nobody knows where I'm at. I think I'll just give up. I think I'll just give up. No, when you go from that facts to failures to feelings, take one more step and go to faith and say, this is where I stand. I don't understand it. I can't explain it. But let me tell you, I'm going to stand in faith. I will not turn back. I will not turn around. I will not give up. I know who I am in Jesus Christ. And this is where I stand. Somebody say stand. Stand means I won't move. If you read the book of Ephesians, it says in there in one verse, stand and when you've stood, therefore stand. Learn to stand and do what God wants you to do. Hmm. Hmm. When it doesn't look like God said it, remember that He gave you the promise. Hmm. Y'all give me just a minute. I hadn't forgotten. I'm, I'm following where He's leading me. I told you a moment ago, you don't know the story behind the glory. The scripture in 2 Corinthians, it says that all of these things are happening for an eternal weight of glory, right? Say weight. That word weight in, in Greek is a word that means something that is heavy. People don't understand it. When you're in a church setting and you pray for the glory, you're going to feel it. It's a heavy feeling of the presence of God. And he said, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. Everything that God is working through you is for the eternal weight of glory. See, if I took an empty uh, water bottle and threw it at you, you would catch it. But if I took that same bottle and filled it with concrete and threw it at you, you'd get out of the way. Why? Because it has weight. He said, what you're going through is building the weight of glory. It's giving you substance. It's giving you something. It's making you stronger. It's building you up on the most holy faith. And you become that that God has created you to be. Are y'all getting this? Would you, let me finish up with verse 21. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. Look at me. Holy Spirit just told me, I don't know who you are, but you've been waiting on the performance. It's here. You're missing it. It's here. It may not come in the form you thought. 
It might, might not come in the way you thought. But it may not be exactly what you thought. But he said, take a look. Sometimes we get distracted. And the enemy is good at distracting us. He may not can pull you away from God, but he can distract you. You've got to keep your focus on him because God has promised it. He told me to tell you he is performing it. Look at what's happening. See, what happens to us in church is we put everything in a box. Is it okay if I confess? You won't tell anybody, will you? Well, now, everybody didn't say. You wouldn't. I was the pastor here, of course, in the late 90s. And in the late 90s, we prayed and we prayed and we prayed for a move of God. In 1996, I was in a prayer conference in Mobile, Alabama with Judy and Sam and Sarah Glover. I think I told Judy to punch you guys and say, I'm going to a revival. And I'm in the middle of a prayer conference. Please don't tell this, okay? I get in trouble. I had heard that they were having a revival at a place called Pensacola, Florida at a church called Brownsville. Anybody ever heard of it? I punched them. I said, let's go. I think it's about a 30, 40 mile trip. We didn't get there at 9 o'clock, 9 or 10 o'clock at night. You know, that was years ago before we had to go to bed early, okay? And I got there and you couldn't get in unless somebody left. Well, finally, some people left and we, I think we ended up in the balcony if I'm correct. Anyway, let me make a confession. I'd heard about what God was doing. And I actually went to criticize. I actually had in my mind, this can't be. Come on, no, come on, come on. I walked in that place. I was in the balcony. I watched him give an altar call about 10.30. 10.30 at night, folks. I told him when I pastored here, if I gave an altar call at 10.30 at night, it'd be me, I'd be the only one in the altar. But listen, I watched five hundred people literally run and dive in the altar and they prayed with each one individually it's about 11 11 15 the pastor gets up and said folks we're going to take an intermission i thought an intermission nobody will be back well guess what nobody left i was there i didn't understand when i saw that it began to change my mind and then during the altar service about 11 12 1 in the morning whatever it was the lord got a hold of me Anyway, he got a hold of Judy before he got a hold of me. He'd come over and pray for her and say, Martha, quit doing everything. Boom, she'd go to the floor. She'd get back up, he'd come back again. I thought, keep it up, Lord, keep it up. Now, <laughs> he came over to me. I don't know what he said. Boom. I don't know how long I laid in the floor. But it changed my life. Not the pastor, not the evangelist the unbelievable presence of the glory of God. And I was, oh, oh, my Lord. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. I came back. It was during that era at this church while I pastored that a, a well, I can't even think of her name, came in and left her wheelchair and walked out right here. Ethel, right, Ethel Horton walked out. Had a lady come sitting about halfway back. She said, the Lord spoke to me in Columbus, Ohio. She went to Rod Parsley's church and the Lord told her to come here. I said, that had to be God, you know. She came, was sitting right back there. She stood up and testified. She said, the Lord told me if I'd come to Summit in Alabama and I had no clue where you were. She said, the Lord healed me right here tonight. We saw healings. We saw deliverances. We, thought, we saw a move of God where you couldn't get people in this building, folks. And what, here's what I'm trying to explain to you. That, that This is just me. Sometimes if we're not careful, we put God in a box and we say we want that again. And God keeps saying to me, I don't want to do it that way again. I want to do it my way. I want to do it the way I have determined. I want, is anybody saying, Lord, I want you to do it your way? It may be the same way. It may be, in a, I don't know. But I believe we are in the great awakening that God has sent to us. And we can't lose our faith. We can't lose our vision. We can't lose our direction. We can't say, okay, this is just the way it is. We, oh, my Lord. If we have church as usual, something's wrong with us. I didn't mean to preach. I didn't preach. The, the early service didn't get this. So you're getting a double barrel, okay? But here's what I want to show you. If you believe... And you will trust he will perform. 
Now, I don't mean that word perform. I don't like to use that word. He will do, okay? But he will perform what he said. Give me the other verse there. What is it? Romans 8 and 11. Now, look at it. Here, here's where the Lord took me to close his service. Early this morning. Look at this. But if the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. Now, remember, I've been preaching to you about Sarah and Abraham. What did it say over and over? They were dead. Their bodies were dead. Her womb was dead. They couldn't have kids. They were dead. He said, but then what happened? God breathed. Remember I told you about the Holy Spirit? He breathed into them and they could have children because he brought them back to life. Look what this says. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, how many know the spirit dwells in you? Come on, wave at me, wave at me, wave at me. Because you know you're a child of God. The Spirit dwells in you. Look at this. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Here's what he told me to tell you. The Holy Spirit lives in you. It doesn't have to be a man. It doesn't have to be a place. It doesn't have to be a ministry. The Spirit that dwells in you will breathe life into your body and bring you back to where God wants you to be. It's not dependent on me. It's not dependent on somebody else. But it's the Holy Spirit within you that will breathe life. Breathe life. Breathe life. My Lord. Whoa, I can still shout and holler. I just got to go lay down a minute. Listen, don't forget this. Write it down, take it with you. I want you to pray it every day and look at it and say, that spirit that dwells in me will heal my disease. It will heal my marriage. It will restore my mind. It will restore my finances. Do you understand? Again, let me see your hand if the Spirit lives in you. You know what that word dwells mean? It means to set up a habitation. You know what happens to us? We want, to God, we want God by the Spirit to visit us. We just don't want Him to stay. Lord, I'm going to church on Sunday. Show up today. Visit with me. No, He doesn't want to visit. He, doesn't, he will only visit the house you build, but He will inhabit the house He builds. Oh, I got to say that again. He will only visit the house you build, but he will inhabit. Woo! Come and live in the house that he builds. Come on, give him praise. Thank you for, oh, come on, give him loud praise. Give him honor and praise and glory. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, we need to praise him some more. We've been wanting to get together. Let's get together and praise Him. Corporate worship is building an atmosphere. My Lord, my Lord. Woo, woo, woo. God. <laughs> Do you know how hard it is for me to have this anointing flowing in my life and I don't know if I can lay hands on you or not? I'm just going to obey God. That's me anyway. I, if I did any difference, you'd think something was wrong with me. Here's what the Lord's telling me to do. Number one, if you want to revive that spirit within you to the heal and whatever it needs to do, you know what the Lord told me? I'm not going to lay hands on you. I'm going to fist pump you. You say, I don't know how that'll work. The Lord reminded me that a man came here to South America. I can't think of his name. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, he came here. It was a little strange for me because I'd never seen it. When he got through preaching, some of you may remember this, he'd walk over here like this and just put his hand up. And people would come and touch it and fall out in the spirit. All I'm saying is, I'm going to make a point of contact with you. I want to see people healed. Does anybody that needs healing? I want to see answers given to you. And if you're not comfortable with this, it's fine. I understand. I don't, I'm not going to make you do anything. I, I feel strongly this morning that I just want to impart to. I want to impart some to the next generation. And all I want to do is with a, with a fist pump. You know what that means? That means I accept you. I love you. Come on into my world. Amen? Amen? Amen. And when you come to the altar, well... That's up to you. If you want to stay six foot apart, you're not now, so uh, that's up to you. 
but I believe God has ordered your steps in my steps today. I want to see something miraculous happen in your life. As she begins to play, I guess the owners they're going to sing or whatever. As she's playing, this altar is open. Just walk up here right now in Jesus' name. And if you're not comfortable with it, I understand totally. But that's up to you. Don't leave, even if you don't come, because I'm going to pray over you anyway. Either way, I want to make sure everybody's covered. Okay. He said he okay. Judy's reminding me. If I go long, it's her fault, okay? Okay, there. Set it on the thing. Bring my bottle of water. I'm a little thirsty. Listen to me. I shared this in the first service, and I don't want to hold you if you got to go. Of course, it's only 1147, so we're okay, you know. Listen to me. During this pandemic, I have witnessed miracles her her nephew his wife had breast cancer the doctor said I know it is they tested it did the biopsy took her into surgery did the mastectomy he was so convinced that it was uh, cancer that he walked it to the lab himself that's unusual for a doctor when he took it into the lab and they tested it they looked at him and said there is no cancer. Thank God for a miracle, amen. Judy had her, had to have a, a biopsy. And when you have those, if you ever had one, you, oh Lord, it's awful, you know. That I told the doctor, I said, why can't you do it immediately? Why do we have to wait 10 days, you know? But the doctor calls her and said, no cancer. Would you lift your hands with me? I just feel like praying in the spirit right now. Thank you, Father. 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 Well, I hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. We here at Summerton Church of God believe that God is a God who still does miracles. And we're seeing it on a weekly basis. People's lives being transformed by the power of God, being saved, healed, and delivered for the glory of God. And we want you to experience for yourself. So why don't you come and be our guest one Sunday here at Summerton Church of God. I look forward to personally meeting you.